0: If you deal with your vulnerabilities, you can capitalize on your opportunities. That's the lesson that we teach in Broadbrush. And by the way, that's one of the reasons that we think we can be the best business law firm for small business in America.
1: Welcome to the Authentically Successful Show. I'm Carol Schultz, founder and CEO of Vertical Elevation, a talent equity and leadership coaching and advisory firm. We partner with founders and CEOs to create talent-centric organizations, either where they don't currently exist or rebuild companies into talent-centric organizations. We are committed to supporting your vision and values by creating healthy, successful companies, leveraging the best talent, retention, development, and succession strategies. Listen at the end of the show for information about becoming my next guest on one of the most important podcasts for building thriving companies. Here we go. Joining me today is Matt Davis, founder and CEO of Davis Business Law, which focuses on small business law. The firm currently has seven offices and is one of the very rare law firms to make the Inc 5000 list. Additionally, Matt's firm has been recognized by Martindale Hubbell as one of the preeminent attorneys in America for demonstrating the highest levels of skills and integrity. Matt's first book, The Art of Preventing Stupid, I love that title, was published in 2019, and the follow-up, The Strong Protected Business, is slated for publication in 2023. A podcast host himself, Matt also shares his extensive knowledge through his podcasts, The Strong Protected Business, and The Art of Preventing Stupid. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks.
0: I am happy to be here.
1: So... I, 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 I almost don't know where to start, <laughs> um, but let's let's talk a little bit about the small business law that you practice. What does that look like, your firm?
0: Well, we do small business law for ambitious business owners, our, our sandbox, and I've got 11 attorneys that work for us right now. We're about to add another one, and we just love working small business owners from startup to, um, you know, some of them are $20 million, Mm -hmm. although we're about to sell one of our companies, so to speak, my client is, Mm -hmm. for up into the hundreds of millions of dollars. And we, you know, we do everything from startup transactions to transactions, you know, whether it's a contract contract. Um, or a MSA or a vendor agreement or a customer agreement. And then we do all the litigation for them. So we are pretty much soup to nuts for small business. We stay out of securities and we stay out of estate planning and all that. We just, it's so much fun to help small businesses go build themselves and just really, it's rewarding mm-hmm. to see you know people's lives changed by what they do. Well, no question.
1: So, um you got out of law school um in 1993 and tell me a little bit about your journey. Um you know, you were a, you were a prosecuting attorney and you know, you did some unusual different things before, you know, starting your own firm. So tell me a little bit about that journey to starting your own
0: firm. Yeah, I did that real briefly and um uh, but I got a master's degree after I got out of law mm-hmm. school um in public administration which was really uh kind of an energy economics degree and then I got hired um to work in the Secretary's office in uh, the US Department of Energy in Washington. And um ultimately thought I'd stay in Washington and be a lawyer, and I one day I was having lunch with a cousin of mine, same career path, but he was 10 years older, and I just said, you know, this is not what I want to do, and I uh, called my girlfriend, who was a TV producer in Los Angeles, and said, hey, let's move back to our hometown, and here we are 26 years and five kids later, (laughs) and so... I uh, I showed up, and I, I live in Enid, Oklahoma, which is a small city, and I, I just started figuring out what I could do to make a living. Um, I took a brief job as a city prosecutor, and I realized that that was maybe not my right gig. Um, and um, then I got an Eat What You Kill job mm-hmm. with one of the law firms here, and just started figuring out how to get work and um you know that we'd get a call we got a call i was kind of laughing about it today i was talking to a client of mine and um and one we do have one big corporate client that we represent everywhere from omaha down to the rio grande mm-hmm. and i do most of that mm-hmm. work and that business comes from one adoption case i took in 1996 and you know the the point i always make to lawyers is just get in there take good care of your clients do good work and it just becomes the next job the next case the next the next opportunity and literally the um guy that got us into that gig you know the big gig was um was the first husband of that girl we did the adoption for so and I just figured out how to make money and got to work and took whatever it took and learned how to do it and learned how to do it well. Um, I ultimately went out on my own and didn't really try and grow a law firm for about oh, what ten years. And I had a very sophisticated marketing strategy at that point. I, I was not in the phone book and I didn't have a web page. <laughs> very sophisticated. <laughs> very sophisticated, yeah, right? right? Yeah. But I was I was busy and I wasn't trying to grow. And ultimately that that book of business just became so, you know, you could say successful or overwhelming that I said, Well, I'm just gonna have to go start a law firm and and there we go. We did seven years ago. I guess eight years ago now we started it. Okay, right. So, yeah, so you, you've been in business about 18 and a half
1: years. So, <laughs> you, as you said, you know, 10 years kind of not not really growing anything. So, what was what would you say was the impetus behind deciding, you know, now it's time to actually build a company, build an organization?
0: Well, uh, really two things coming together. One, that um, the book of business for the big company got um, so big for Couldn't, us, it yeah. was forty percent. Couldn't handle it, and mm-hmm. that's just not a comfortable yeah. place to be. Well, the issue is, you know, having one customer that's that much I- of your agree. business yes. is, dangerous is is not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, particularly when I've got five kids and um, you know, I'm the main breadwinner for the family, and 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 a complete lack of marketing strategy. So. Um, that and then I was at, um, well, I guess it wasn't at, I was on, um, a CLE seminar and there was a speaker talking about his company, How to Manage a Small Law Firm. And I was like, wow, that's kind of interesting. And I ended up going to one of their conferences and I said, okay, I'll join this. And, um, ultimately joined their organization and learned a lot of mindset stuff about how to think about growing a professional services business and, um, and just understanding that, that it was possible. And I already had a really good understanding of law firm metrics. Um, and then I said, okay, well, let's go start a law firm. So I, at that point, I was literally working out of my house which was great. And I went over to the bank and I got Jamie, who was my paralegal previously. And I said, okay, let's go start a law firm. And she says, okay, let's go. And we went and bought this building that we're in right now. And um, we didn't close on time. So Jamie came to work with me and at a card table in my office at the house. And then we moved in here and renovated it around us and um, just kept growing. Mm-hmm. How, did you, how did you fund the growth of your firm? <clears throat> um, well, up until COVID, it was all pretty much organically. Um, now, we did have a period of time where we ran, oh, about 150000 in debt we paid that off this year but um and some of it was due to covid some of it was due to what greg crabtree calls the badlands and that's this period of time where you go from about two to 3.5 million in revenue And the problem with that jump is you've got to add a lot of expensive staff. So right in the middle of that, a non-revenue staff, you know, we added a CFO, we added a director of client experience, we added a COO, which, and you know, some of them we just hired because they were available. We knew they were the right people and maybe we're ahead of it, but let's get them while we can. So we have been pretty much self-funded um, with that one, ex- you know, for about a year, maybe a year and a half, we carried some debt. But aside from that, not, not too bad. I, I hate carrying debt.
1: Well, I mean, you know, I think many, many people do, especially many of us who, you know, bootstrap our own business, right? Yeah. You know, and, and you know, the old saying, you got to spend money to make money. So you know I mean unfortunately, that's sort of the necessary evil at building a business you're going have to carry you're gonna have to carry some debt and then eventually you get it paid off,
0: yeah, and you know we really focused on paying it off. we didn't you know once we once we really got past the badlands and were able to start adding more revenue staff, um wow, we just we burned through it, and it's it's yeah. been really nice to to get past that.
1: Matt, tell me about, I'd like to say, you to say a little bit more about the, you know, this mindset shift about being in a professional services industry and what you learned.
0: You know, half of it's just going, oh, okay, that's possible. Um, you know, a, a, an, a an attorney, you know, a solo practice attorney, when you think about it, you go, okay, you can, if you really bust ass, and I was, you can bill about 2,000 hours a year. But- that's really, and okay, you know, we're looking at at it from an hourly bill perspective versus a contingency fee. Mm -hmm, And, you know, but you're, you're working 10, 12 hours a day to do that. And, you know, that, that hits an upward limit, you know, of what you can revenue. And I, had never really thought about. I was so sick of working with law firms because of the first law firm that I was a partner in, um, that I just didn't. I, I had a real revulsion about going and setting up a business. But I then said, "Oh, okay. Well, I I, I understood the general idea of okay, let's hire employees and let's bill them out from you know, they get paid less. And I started to understand, you know, what the mathematics should look like in a professional services firm, you know, and that can go for uh, doctors, lawyers, accountants, or whatever. Um, and I just figured out, okay, we can do this, and realized, okay, and then we, we just keep scaling, keep scaling. And it it all became very apparent to me real quickly, how to do it. But the other part of it that was super important is understanding th- that you have to do it with the right culture because most law firms, by the way, are just a collection of whoever the hell they can find with a bar right. card and a pulse. Yeah, very good point. Mm-hmm. Right? right. And, you know, I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't going to put my heart and soul into building this company. And not work with people that I just didn't love hanging out with. Yeah, right. And by the way, the other flip side of that is those are the people my clients like working with too. You know, I want, you know, I want people with the heart and the passion to help everybody that, that are our clients. And, you know, our core value, number one, is believe and protect their dreams because, Ultimately, the bottom line common denominator with legal work is dealing with people's vulnerabilities. It's that simple, you know. And it's dealing with them up front through the right paperwork, or it's dealing with them in a case, which is an active vulnerability. And by case, I mean a lit- you know a litigation or whatever. And you know, we really figured out the that getting those people with that passion of helping people who are also problem solvers instead of problem bringers, and you find those people, you plug them in to helping small business owners, and it's a win-win for everybody. It's a great growth strategy for my company.
1: So you've got 24 full-time employees now, um, half of whom are are, uh, billing, right, attorneys, you know, culture is so uber important, and I'm, I'm glad you brought it up early in the conversation. How do you describe your culture?
0: We, you know, first of all, we're pretty relaxed and casual for a law firm, okay? We, we don't take stuffy people. I mean, I, my ad that I run you know, for when we're recruiting literally says, we don't hire any eors. And, you know, I'm setting a tone there. Um, we are creative. We are collaborative with each other. We really focus on communicating with our clients and internally. Um, and we really, you know, communication so important because people hate that about law firms. And you know we we don't always hit a hundred percent on that, but that's that's one of the key things you know communicating about what's going on in the case and also communicating about where we are financially in the deal because you know some of these law firms will send out a bill every six months or sixty days or whatever i mean we we generally bill on a a weekly basis. And you know, just bill digitally. They get it via email, um, and then you know what's going on in your case, and um, and it it's, it makes a huge difference. Some some cases we have on a two week cycle, but you know what you're what you're doing is communicating. And by the way, that's really important too. Culturally, is writing effective time entries that show action that tell your clients what's going on in the case. And so, you know, the, the point is culture. The culture is we, we really love working with each other. We pick people that have really the heart of a servant and we do not put up with arrogance out of our attorneys and, and we want people that want to work hard. That's great.
1: So you, you mentioned, um, (laughs) you're, you're putting ads out, which I don't refer, I don't, would not call that recruiting. I would call that post and pray <laughs> um, to find candidates. So is that how it is in law? Because I, I've known recruiters that do law and they are headhunting those people hmm. for firms yeah. rather than, and, you know, putting an ad out and hoping you find somebody who's, you know, worth a damn.
0: Yeah. I, I do not use recruiters, um, a because they're expensive, and B because I figure anybody that I hire for from a recruiter, they're now prone to do that. And we're trying to build a, a place where people want to work forever, right? And I, I just I don't like I don't like the idea.
1: Why do you feel that by bringing somebody in from a recruiter? that they're not going to stay with you.
0: Well, I th- I think the th- the thought and maybe the paranoia that I have about it is okay, well then the recruiter, you know, can come back and say, "Hey, do you want to go somewhere else or or whatever." So, you know, again, that that may just be paranoia. When we run an ad, we will get um I mean, last time we ran one in Dallas, we had about I mean, we'll we'll get a lot of applicants because we really stand out because you know, most law firm ads read like, Would you like to wear a gray suit? And
1: Right, terrorize, well, right, exactly. You know.
0: Yeah. And so we we set a different tone. You know, a lot of it's just, you know, I'll get a bunch of kids right out of law school and whatnot who are looking for their first job. But, you know, one out of every ten is is that we get is is worth looking at and um, you know, ultimately, we're looking for the right skill set and we're looking for the right attitude. And we've gotten pretty good at, at sorting it out. I mean, it's, we've made some mistakes and we've um, learned some lessons about what skill sets. We can't just have people with DISC skill sets meaning transactional lawyers they don't do well with us because uh, you know sometimes you you have to just be able to look the other side in the eye in any deal and go let's take it down to the courthouse and let me teach you some manners right and um but we have been we've been very successful in recruiting because we we show a different front and also because I mean, I'm I'm trying to scare people off. You know, I don't want to spend my time with people that don't fit our culture. And and I'm like, here's here's who we are and if you don't like it, you know, get lost. So or you know, don't bother applying. And um so we've we've had good luck. I mean, recruiting and I mean, we just had to recruit in Wichita and um we found a fantastic lawyer within a week. Wow.
1: So it may just be, it may be a nature of the business that you're in that, you know, where that the post and pray works because, you know, m- many other, or I'd say most, I mean, th- that you're, that you're getting even 10% people that you want to talk to is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's usually much lower.
0: Yeah, that may be. And yeah, it might be, um, the nature of the business, but I've, I've, and I've had several of my attorney friends who've, we've, uh, worked you know, one of my friends in Atlanta runs an Arissa law firm, and she tried recruiters, just wasn't getting anything, and went and used LinkedIn at our recommendation, and hired two lawyers in her first round. That's great. Yeah.
1: Well, and that's that's a more more lengthy conversation about you know why the recruiters were no good that she hired. Um, well, no, it is. <laughs> that, I, I spent too many years in that business that you know, I can almost predict what happened there. But again, that's not, that's neither here nor there for this conversation. And um, and forgive
0: me for my prejudice on that. It's probably built out of ignorance. So. I, you
1: know, and, and it's often, it's often that way. And, you know, we can, we can talk more about that uh, down the road. But um, so, you know, you, you, 10 years on your own, and then you decided to start build, building a firm, you know, as a leader, what did you find to be your biggest challenges at now managing all these people? Um, you know, Where did you fall short? What did you learn? What did you, what did you change? Well,
0: I had to learn who plugged in right um, as far as the right attorneys. That, that, that was a hard lesson. Figuring out the marketing was really hard. We And I still spend a lot of time on marketing. I, I am a devotee of Seth Godin's line, marketing is too important to leave to the marketing yeah, department. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I am really the leader of the marketing. Um, Personnel-wise, you know, firing people was hard for me initially, I have gotten pretty hair trigger on the fire fast thing because when I, you know, when I go home and start talking to my wife about somebody, I'm like, they just probably need to go. And, um, and, you know, the other issue I've learned there is If you're going to live your core values, you have to be ready to fire somebody who's not living your core, you know, who just doesn't have your core values. And, um, and so that, that has been important. And, um, you know, the, I, I am pretty casual person as you, you may have figured out. And, um, I mean, I, I can, I can, buckle up and do the law and litigate and all that. But my my default is I'm I'm a conversant, casual person. And I was smart enough to go hire the colonel, who is a Jack. Derek's our COO. He's two years older than me. I've known him for time immemorial. But when he got out of law school, he joined the Air Force JAG, right. and yeah. became a, mm-hmm. a JAG colonel. So, mm-hmm. air, you know, arm, right. Air Force lawyer right. for those that not familiar. And he last answered to a four-star general before answering <laughs> to me. Big difference. <laughs> I'll <bet. laughs> Yeah. And now the funny thing too, you know, we live in an Air Force town and he, he, he said, well, you know, I'm fifty six, I'm gonna retire at some point. What are you gonna to do to replace me? I said, I'm gonna go hire another you. I said, I can hire another Jack. You know, they they love to live here because they've got all the Air Force services here. And he's like, Yeah, you got a good point. And so I think that's kind of a secret sauce for us because he's a really good yeah. foil mm-hmm. for me. Um we were having a happy hour last night. We do a virtual happy hour with the lawyers on Monday and right Thursday. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. There's I'm the only lawyer here. I got rid of all the other lawyers here, moved them somewhere else because it was just um if they're if we're doing work here in Enid, the people, the clients want to touch from me. And I'm like, I don't have time to do it. I gotta run the company. And um And uh, anyway, we were all cutting up. There were five of us on the call last night. And one of the attorneys goes, it's great that dad's not here to scold us so we can act up. So, you know, he's he plays the heavy and I get to I get to do the fun stuff. So that's I I don't we we do a morning huddle. I don't run the huddle. He Mm -hmm. runs the huddle.
1: Matt, you have kind of mentioned a couple of times, um, you know, you just did about firing fast and earlier you talked about, uh, you know, hiring mistakes that you've made. Tell me a little bit about the hiring mistakes you have made and why you think you made those mistakes.
0: Um, Really, they have been around skill sets and... That you know, a couple couple have been around skill sets in the sense of people who just um, didn't understand litigation, and and they they were desk lawyers as we call them, and so they just wanted to push paper, do transactions, and we're great at that. But what we do and the way we serve our clients, litigation always has to be an option, and so we need people who are just like, okay, we'll go to the courthouse. And that's really important. The other thing, here's another one, now that you ask me. We don't, we will make rare exceptions, but we don't fight the old dog new tricks rule. We don't bring in people who've had their own law firm for a while because, you know, we had one guy in Oklahoma City and he kept telling me, he had yeah. had his own law firm for about this 10 isn't years. This is the way to do it. Wanted do it to close it down. <laughs> well, yeah. And then, you know, he's like, well, you know, at my mm-hmm. law firm, this is not how mm-hmm. we, we did things. Go back and to your own said, law firm. Yeah, this yeah. is my... <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm the one that has to pay mm-hmm. the bills and you're not getting your time on the clock. And so we're not even making enough money off of you to pay your salary. And, you know, by the way dipstick, you just put down four tenths of an hour for hanging the door chime. And it's like, he's like, well, I wanted to hear the door ring. I said, yeah, don't send me a bill for it. And by the way, you know, I was like, get the hell out of here, amigo. So, um, yeah, we had to figure that out. And um, so we, you know, we, now we have hired a couple lawyers who've come out of firms and then wanted to run their own firm briefly and we' we'll, you know maybe if they've done it a year and just don't want to do it because it's a pain in the neck you know building all the systems and figuring out how to get paid and all that it's it's hard work and and it's hard work to manage it and so um, those have been the real two um, big hiring, sort of attorney areas, you know, we've had some people that we've hired that just didn't work out. Um, Had one young lady who was brilliant, man. We loved her, but she just went for, this may sound a little sexist, but she just went boy crazy and got two boyfriends at the same time and just lost her mind. And she, before that, she was one of the best um, employees we had ever had. And you know, I I hope she's doing great because we just loved her. Um, But and you know, you're going to run into that. Things come up in people's lives. So, um, but we've we feel like we've gotten better at. But the thing, one thing I did learn, have learned, and really taken to heart, because I do like people so much, and so I do, I want to like them. I have to be really self conscious of look that half of hiring is looking for reasons to say no, particularly for me and just, you know, being very, looking for
1: reasons to say no to the hire. It's
0: just important. Why is that? Exactly. Yeah. Well, because I, you know, I, I just, My, my natural prejudice, my natural personality is to want to get along with people, to want to, want to work with them. And so, and I think that's always important, but I think it's particularly important for me and, and Derek's kind of that way too. So we, um, we, we pay a lot of attention on looking for reasons and, Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah, it does. I mean, I'm just curious. I mean, I, you know, I could, I could probably, you know, predict why you're doing it that way, but, you know, who cares, right, about what I, you know, what I think. What, if anything, I have to imagine there must be something bugs you or, you know, to be a little more Southern, chaps your ass about the law and your industry (laughs) (laughs) Or, or Western, I guess that's really more Western. Well, Having a chapped ass. <laughs> western, yeah, that is, and
0: yeah, and and we're 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 more western out here. So, the law business really does attract a lot of jerks. It does. I mean, I know that because I went to law school with them, and we were just having lunch um, and uh, talking about one of our local attorneys, who's a pretty unsavory character, who was also my law school classmate. And man, I mean, we just, we really deal with some just horrible jerk characters. Ashley's my right-hand lawyer, and naturally, she lives in Portland, mm-hmm. Oregon, right? <laughs> and, in Portlandia. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, we've got a case going up in the North Country right now, and we've got a lawyer that is just the biggest moron. And we've taken him to the Supreme Court and back, and he just fights about everything. Ashley spent the whole day yesterday just fighting with him over a scheduling order. And ultimately, we got um, an email from the arbitrator on the case, who's a former justice of the Nebraska Supreme Court. So, you know, a really great judge. And he's like, I have no idea what's going on here. Confusion reigns, and you know, and when you get those attorneys, it, you know, it's it what's it's what makes everything horrible, and um, you know, and some of them are just jerks, and and you know, right now, I've got a bunch of stuff going on in Texas, and um, I get pretty fed up with. Um, I, I, with these attorneys that just, they'll send me four page letters, right? Telling me what a moron I am. And um, I, and you know, the, the case we do for our big client, um, I've done for 16 years, right? You think I haven't heard it before? I've heard it all before. And yeah, I literally have an email saved in my signature block. So yeah. I get yeah. one of those four page letters and I pull out and it says, I read your four page letter very briefly. I'm not impressed. Do you want to talk dollars or can you accept service? And that's it, which is the legal equivalent of flipping <laughs> somebody the bird. <laughs> and, I love it. and, um, yeah. And, you know, I get a lot of that. Um, You know, this is showing showing a little generational prejudice, too, of, you know, and and oaky prejudice. Um, You know, I get a lot of attitude out of Texas millennial lawyers. Imagine that put together.
1: (laughs) It's like an oxymoron, almost.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, they, they, you know, they, they want to pick fights and make a name for themselves. I'm kind of like, well, okay, there you go.
1: Yeah, well, we, we live in a, you know, figuratively and literally litigious society, right? Mm-hmm. People just want to argue about things.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and we, we try and stay out of it. You know, we'll we'll fight if we have to, but it uh, it tends not to be the best. But, you know, so there there is a certain batch of people, pardon me, that, that think that that's effective representation from a lawyer. And it really tends not to be. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know, as, as, as my mama taught me when I was a little girl, you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar.
0: Yeah. Or you get smart lawyers together. Right. Right. And they'll work something out. I've got a call right, right after this with, um, a lawyer down in Texas with one of the big firms. And, um, I used to manage him, um, because off and on all, um, I used to be general counsel of one of the big trucking firms on an outside basis. We, they hauled your gas today. And, um, and I had to step back in this year and I was managing him on some cases and, um, you know, we're, we're, we're going to get this case worked out because, you know, we're friends, we know what our risk is and we'll we'll get it sorted out. That's effective representation as a general rule because, you know, we're peers. We know how to work it out.
1: Uh, Matt, how do you tend to find your clients or do they find you?
0: A, a little of both. Mm-hmm. Um, we're really mm-hmm. aggressive digital marketers when we break into a market. And we spend a lot of time on both SEM and uh, and SEO and have invested really heavily into that. Um but then once we get into a market we have a very predictable snowball effect of when we we start to see repeat business and our growth trajectories with some some variance but we we have co- a common denominator growth trajectory in our markets of how long it takes to get to you know 50% of one lawyer is all repeat business. Um, Because it's it's the same principle as I was talking about earlier. Yes, If you do good work, then they're coming back, they're sending people. And so, you know, our Oklahoma City branch is really pretty self-perpetuating now in the sense that we spend very little money marketing there. But it's, it's just continues to grow, continues to grow. We're going to add another lawyer there this year. Um, and, um, probably could have earlier. We just have been, I've really been focused on revamping some marketing. And, um, so we, you know, we, we, we break in digitally and then we grow on repeat and referral. And, um, and, and it's been a really effective strategy for us. We're about to open down in Houston. I'm kicking off a recruiting campaign. I know you're gonna just live with my recruiting campaign on Monday and um you know, I know within two months how long it's gonna take me to get into the black as far as um, not losing money. and I generally know within two months of how long until we've recouped what we invested. And, you know, it just doesn't cost me that much to, um, break into a market and by, by a year we're making money.
1: So, so who, so who's your ideal client? What makes them ideal?
0: You know, a small business owner, 35 years old, um, may or may not have gone to college, um, You know, we've got one guy that I'm thinking of right now that owns a roofing company um, in Oklahoma City. He was one of the first clients we picked up in Oklahoma City. And, you know, we're always doing something for him. Um, And, you know, I've got a client I'm working with still. I still have three or four of my legacy clients. And, you know, these this guy's a, a farm kid who grew up and lives in one of these small towns out here and, you know, he basically owns the town now because he's built a big mm-hmm. business. I'm mm-hmm. exaggerating a little bit, but you know, you go downtown mm-hmm. and it's da 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 da. And um you know, he's he's a great client and and, you know, we're we're great friends and we're um and it's really rewarding working for him, and it's rewarding to see how it's changed his life um We have a lot of immigrant clients and, and um you know because they didn't they didn't grow up with somebody, and you know all oh, I once to grew up and once grade school was so and so and and so. One of our attorneys in Oklahoma City, his dad was a JAG officer and I always kid him that he, he you know, he he fits the officer and gentleman mold yep. and just absolutely, he really is an absolute gentleman. And somehow he became the attorney for all of Southeast Asia in Oklahoma City. And and there's a big Southeast, I'm, uh, there's a big Southeast mm-hmm. Asian population in Oklahoma City because a lot of Vietnamese people moved there. Mm-hmm. And um and you know he's got vietnamese clients cambodian clients nepalese clients mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and you know so word of mouth yeah and the, the you know we, we've got older clients too but they're just they're small business people and we're helping them build their dreams
1: uh is there any outdated advice in your business do you think the people are. that people are. You know, other firms or other attorneys are given out.
0: Wow, I don't, man. I don't have a good okay. answer for that. I'm. I'm sure. It's okay. I'm sure there is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just. I don't pay yeah, a lot it's, of. It's, sorry, go on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I just don't pay mm-hmm. l- a lot of attention to other yeah. lawyers. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm not. Not particularly worried about you. Yeah. Just stay out of my way. Got it.
1: So if somebody were were, you know, if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking. I'd like to start my own firm. You know, I've been practicing for you know, X number of years. What kind of advice would you give them?
0: Well, I'll tell you this story. Um, I was at um, Entrepreneur's Organization mm-hmm. Accelerator. Okay. So you'll be familiar with EO. Of course. And EO-A is baby EO. <laughs> it's baby EO. And <laughs> so, you know, they, they've they got, um, you know, they're below a million dollars in revenue. hmm and I was in there with a couple lawyers, great guys, law partners. And I I was, I, was, I guess, sponsoring the, the group. And I was having dinner with them one night and, and the whole group. And I said, how is it going? And they said, great. I said, you're lying to me. And they said, what do you mean? I said, you're lying to me. I can tell you're BSing with me about everything you're telling me. You guys are sucking you're bottom feeding and the whole shebang. And they go, how'd you know? I said, because, you know, I grew up on the cold, tough streets of Enid in the law business. I mean, talk about scrapping it out. I know what scrapping it out looks like. And I I hear what you're saying and I can see right through it. And they said, wow. Uh, I said, do you want me to teach you how to build a law firm? And they said, would you? I said, "Okay, I'll see you at your office at nine o'clock on Saturday morning. Be there and they're like okay we'll do it and we sat down and i did an exercise for them that is is really straight out of good to great and there's three circles he says what what can you what do you love what can you make money at and what can you be the best in the world at and we went through all their everything they could do, from criminal law to child custody cases to family law, there were a couple other things. And finally, you know, some of them came off because they hated it. Some of it came off because uh, there wasn't any money in it. And finally, we had one thing left, and that was step parent adoptions. And they said, holy crap, we love doing those. I'm like, can you be the best in the world at it? They said, yeah, we can do it. We can do it. I said, and can you make money? They go, yeah, we can make money at it because, you know, the step-parent adoption is where, you know, let's say a young woman has a child when she's 18 with some loser, right? and then she's now 27, married to a great guy, And, you know, and, you know, they came up with a great name for the company, which is called Step Up Adoptions, Mm -hmm. you know, of Step Up. And, and, you know, I was like, your tagline's so simple. Make the real dad the dad. And so, but finding that, you know, that area of passion Mm -hmm. where you can make money and where you can be the best in the world Mm -hmm. at it, it's no different than any other business. I mean, we love business law because… You know, when I was working with how to manage a small law firm, my business coach said to me, Davis, you know small business law better than anybody we work with, or as well as anyway. And I said, yeah. They said, go start a small business firm. I said, okay, let's do it. And, you know, we knew we could make money at it because it's a B2B business. And we, you know, we can add value. And can we be the best in the world at it? Yeah why not? I mean, you know, I'm smart. I work hard and I write books.
1: Well, before we, before we close out, I want to, I want to talk a little bit about your two podcasts. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tell me a little bit about the strong protected business and the art of preventing
0: stupid. Here's, here's the whole concept behind that. And I'm going to come at it from this way. I'm, I'm actually, well, that was great because there's my mom. Okay. So my mom was the only woman in her med school class and 1963 University of Oklahoma, and then went to St. Louis, did a residency. And she and my dad came back here to our hometown and she set up OBGYN practice. Mm -hmm. She was heavy surgery too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Um, she was one of the real pioneers in the 70s about breast cancer screening, Mm -hmm. right? And so as an adult, I came back here to my hometown. I can't tell you how many people, husbands, women, you know, patients and children have said Mm -hmm. to me, hey, your mom saved my wife's or my or my mom's life, Mm -hmm, right? And From an ethical standpoint, that really stuck with me because as a professional, you know, her job was taking care of people's health. My job is taking care of, you know, their personal or business. Now we're devoted to business vulnerabilities. And I'm like, how do we how do we develop systems that help people screen for that, you know, for deal with their vulnerabilities? And you're familiar with SWOT analysis which, analysis, which I think is just uh, is has a is ineffective in this regard. You know, when you're asking a question, what's the weakness of my business or what's the threat to my business? That's not an incisive instructive question. And so what we teach is based on a couple of matrices, Um, one's the business immune report. That's what the art of preventing stupid is about. And then we build on that, Um, how to ask smart questions in a structured way about what your vulnerabilities are. First, you know, let's talk about three categories, catastrophes, ignorance, or ineptitude. Meaning, what can hit you from a blind side, what don't you know, and where are you slacking off? And then look at your either business systems or let's look at some subjective things. So, for instance, I sat down in the office of a quarter-billion-dollar company's president, and I said, you know, you think the next president of this company is going to be your son, who he thinks he's going to be president of the United States of America and he's 19 years old. And you're 52, right? Okay, that's straight out of using the matrix. And the the point I'm getting to is we teach people how to, first of all, brainstorm effectively by using systems and matrices that make you ask the smart questions about what your vulnerabilities are. And then we teach them how to prioritize those based on likelihood and seriousness and ultimately come out with a plan that looks at let's get the easy list done, even if it's not that serious. Let's figure out what the projects are and let's figure out what your bad habits are or your good habits need to be. And we come at you know business strategic business planning from that negative aspect. And that's plugs in really well within the positive side. One of our business coaches said to us once, you guys just don't make many unforced errors. I said, yeah, we don't because we're constantly looking at what could go wrong. And, you know, one of our taglines is if you deal with your vulnerabilities, you can capitalize on your opportunities because you're not dealing with problems. You're Taking advantage of opportunities—that's the lesson that we teach in in broad brush. And by the way, that's one of the reasons that we think we can be the best business law firm for small business in America because we teach it.
1: Bravo! Well, Matt Davis, founder and CEO of Davis Business Law. This has been a pleasure to talk to you. I'll put in another plug for your book, "The Art of Preventing Stupid," and your upcoming book that should be published next year called The Strong Protected yeah. Business. Uh, thanks so much for your time. This was an interesting conversation.
0: Yeah, thank you. I had a great time too. Thank
1: you for listening to Authentically Successful. If you are a successful founder or CEO who would like to be on this program, please visit verticalelevation.com slash podcast slash apply. If you learned something from this interview and it made a difference, please share it on LinkedIn or Twitter. You can also do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend. And if you know of someone who would be a great guest, tag them on LinkedIn or Twitter to let them know about the show and include the hashtag #AuthenticallySuccessful. successful. I love seeing your posts and great suggestions. Lastly, we are regularly putting out new episodes and content. And to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to our website, verticalelevation.com, or follow me on LinkedIn. This is Carol Schultz. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.